Hello and welcome back to AFL by Dummies and let's discuss the weekend that was. Richmond conquered Essendon on the Friday night stage, leaving John Worsfall to call Caddy and Martin the goal regrowth specialists. While the trains were down in Sydney, the power went out in Melbourne and short-circuited themselves. Think they might need to be rebooted. Fremantle managed three goals against Geelong, the same that Brighton and Hove Albion managed against Manchester United <laughs> the following day, which feat is more impressive. The Giants and Swans are both assured of playing finals, but the Giants' growing casualty ward continues to be a bona fide threat. Alex Sexton continued to prove why he is the worst player in the AFL with four goals and 19 touches in the Gold Coast narrow loss to Brisbane. Hawthorne secured their finals berth and a probable top four finish as well, leaving the rest of the footy community to groan and say, God, not this again. Brendan Bob proved why he has the same level of job security as Malcolm Turnbull in Carlton's miserable encounter with the Dogs. Melbourne beat West Coast to ensure their first final series since 2006, or about the last time Nathan Jones had any hair. Matt Crouch got more ball touches than a teenage boy who had just discovered how to erase his search history as Adelaide officially <laughs> has ended North's finals chances. And that is the weekend that was. Lachlan Ross, how are you doing? Um, good. <laughs> I'm composing myself slowly but surely. I did like Bonafide. Bonafide? Yeah, I got yeah. that one. I was like, that's actually brilliant. I completely missed the next game after that, but I was more than happy to miss that for uh, Casualty Ward and Bonafide stars. And Assured. Don't forget Assured. Oh, true. Um, I missed that. The one after that you missed was Alex, Sen- Alex Sexton continuing to oh, yeah. prove why he is the worst player in the AFL. Yeah, four, four, four goals <laughs> and 19 touches. Yeah, he's terrible, That's, Alex. Yeah, no, it's just clearly exactly what the worst player in the AFL would do. But we get our show underway this week with your highlight from the weekend. I normally try and stay from, away from Richmond highlights, but uh, Daniel Rioli's chase down tackle on Adam Saad was electrifying. That's the only word I can use to describe it. Just one of the best rundown tackles you'll ever see. Two of the fastest guys in the AFL. And, I don't know, Daniel Rioli made ground very, very quickly on him. He's lightning fast. I, I'm hoping we get a sort of Lewis Jetta moment with, um, uh, who was it on grand final day a few years back? Cyril. Yeah. Lewis Jetta and Cyril um, a few years back. We had that kind of moment. You get Daniel Rioli and somebody like him to the space on the wing grand final day, that could be something else. Yeah, that could be a highlight of like the final series right there. And I'm going to get us started with our first joke of the day. And I'm going to talk about the Brisbane Gold Coast game. Why are we doing this? Well, there was a lot of talk going into this game, not from any people that were actually interested, but only from Brisbane and Gold Coast about, you know, the tension between the two clubs, of which there is a little, and mostly between Brisbane's captain, Dane Zorko, and Gold Coast player, Tuke Miller. And after the game... You know, despite being captain, Dane Zorko made a little bit of a not very humble victory handshake with Tuke Miller and kind of rubbed it in his face a little bit. And I don't, I don't know about you, I don't particularly like Dane Zorko. So I thought of a list of things I would rather touch than Dane Zorko's hand after a footy match. So we begin this week's list with, first of all, the inside of the rat that we had to dissect in year nine. Oh, that was disgusting. I couldn't do that. Yeah, you really struggled from memory. Yeah. Still rather do that than shake. Dane's Would Orko's you rather hand. shake the rat's hand than <laughs> shake Dane Zorko's? Yes. The, yes, the rat that you're currently, like, pulling apart. Uh, the, the rat in which my other hand is inside its guts. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want to hear that? Um, <laughs> the, the next thing I'd rather I'd rather touch than Dane Zorko's hand, the sock that Locke and Ross keeps next to his bed. <laughs> <laughs> How did you find that out, Alex? <laughs> Still rather touch that than Dane Zorko's hand. You can imagine how little I want to touch that. Well, that sock, it was funny because when we put it there, it started off white. <laughs> what colour is it now? Green. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's not pretty. Anyway, uh, things I'd rather touch than um, Dane Zorko's hand, Cameron Link's face. (laughs) 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 Um, I'd rather just not be within 100 metres of Cameron Link. (laughs) I think he just doesn't have a soul. I wonder why. Final thing. My sock has a soul. (laughs) (laughs) It's grown itself its own soul. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Actually, I think you need the other half of the... um, Embryo for that one. (laughs) My sock has more personality than Cameron Ling's face. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. And finally, the last thing I would rather not touch than Dane Zorko's hand is anybody that refuses to shower. Just... That just absolutely disgusts me. There's no punchline on this one. I just find that gross. People Uh-oh. that don't shower is just wrong. They smell awful. Uh-oh. Let's say the water's been cut off in my street today, so I haven't had a shower today. I normally do, but I haven't today. I was more implying the people that go, like, a month without showering. That's, oh. like, just... Do they exist? Yeah. They're just... We tend not to associate them. Yeah. Um... Anyway, that's my list of things I would rather touch than, than Dane Zorko because the guy's a bit of a dick. That's that, all I'm going to say. <laughs> that was very upper middle class for me. Like, do they exist? People that don't have showers at home? Do they live? I'm sure they do somewhere. It's no, more, they're yeah. more than just weird that they are poor. Yeah. Okay. I don't think showers are that expensive, are they? Worst case scenario, you go down to like a public pool and you can get a shower for free. Showers by dummies right here. (laughs) (laughs) Providing you all the latest scoops of water. (laughs) Um, It's now time for your stat. What do you got for us? So, a lot has been said over, well, the whole year, in fact, maybe years, about the set shot snap. So, I mean, there is a time and place for it, generally on the boundary line where it's... You know, everyone's happy for it to be done. But it's these ones uh, where you can can choose one or the other that's really dividing opinions at the moment. So uh, Champion Data started collecting um, stats for the number of set shot snaps uh, in 2002. And there was 108 uh, set, snap, set shot snaps. It's quite the tongue twister. Then there was 403 last season. So it's going up astronomically. Now... It's interesting because there are some players who don't do set shots at all. And leading the way, Cam McCarthy. (laughs) He's done 28 shots at goal without taking a snap, which is interesting. Maybe it's because he's not getting any from the boundary. Um, Patrick Dangerfield actually hasn't either. So maybe the best players in the league don't need to do that. (laughs) It's just a little thing. But the big interesting one for me was, so they did some uh, data collection. I'm not going to claim this myself. They did some data collection. And they took out shots from the boundary line and shots from longer than 40 metres out and just left it to shots that that you can choose between both of them. Oh, and they also took out straight in front. Yeah. So from these sort of positions, if you do a traditional set shot, you are 67% likely to get a goal. And if you do a set shot snap, you're 72% likely to get a goal. Interesting. Now, all the set shot snaps get a lot of attention because it's polarizing at the moment. Whereas the traditional shots, even if you miss a simple one, it doesn't get as much talk about it because it's not polarizing. But you are more likely to put a snap in. Now, the snap's more likely to be within 20 meters than 40 meters. But still, there is a difference, and I just thought I would share that with the world. It's an interesting stat. I think um, I've heard Chris Scott talk about the fact that he backs his players into snap if they feel confident, Um, and I I think it's definitely something we're going to see more and more of in the future. Well, on the weekend um, for Essendon, when Kyle Hooker 
did his snap at the end of the game and Mr. Wayne Carey said um, he's only doing it like that so if he misses it, he has an excuse, which is very interesting. It is very interesting. But you you got to lighten us up now because it's now your turn for a joke. I'm going to talk about Buddy and I think you're all going to talk about him in your stat after this, so good luck. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Setting me up to fail here. Basically. Um, a few weeks ago, the stat came out that... Uh, Buddy Franklin has trained for 20 minutes all year, which is just ridiculous. And over the last couple of weeks, I'm sure you'll talk about it, but he's been fantastic the last couple of weeks. Basically won them the game on the weekend against the Giants and gave them a chance at top four this weekend when that just didn't look likely. Anyways, so I thought he's spent 20 minutes training this year. So I thought, you know, I'd give everyone a list of things that, you know, they could spend 20 minutes on and they could be just as good at Buddy at. Because <laughs> these skills are obviously of similar difficulty. Yeah. Being the best player in the AFL and some of these ones are just identically difficult. I'm sure they'll be exactly the same. So here's just a few that you can, even at home, learn in under 20 minutes. So normally we say don't try this at home, but this one we are going to say do try this at home. Do try this anywhere. <laughs> Um, so you can learn how to fold a shirt in under two seconds. That's actually useful when you think about it. Um, you could also learn how to fix your love life. I'm kidding. That takes over two decades if you're me. Um, <laughs> you can also figure out how to fix a Rubik cube in three easy moves hmm. because it was literally fixed and then you undid three moves and you redid those three moves, obviously. You can learn how to code but it comes with an extra how to have no friends pack. <laughs> and you can also learn how to slip, slop, slap your friend's face, obviously. <laughs> and I just thought, you know, I'd share that with the world because if you can be as good at slapping your friend as Buddy is kicking five or four against GWS, then you're in really good place and you're going to have a great life. I can't... Ag- <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Um, he has been incredibly dominant over the last three weeks, despite not training. I'm going to cover some of the stats right now before we move on to some of your um, some of the discussion we're going to have around All-Australian. In the last three weeks, Lance Franklin has kicked 13 goals, 13. All right? He's kicked 5-4, 2-5, and 6-4 for 13 goals, 13, 26 shots on goal in three weeks. It's an average of just under nine shots on goal a game. All right, now this is a guy that is regarded as one of the best players of all time, Alongside Carey, alongside, you know, Tony Lockett, one of the best full forwards ever. And you're allowing him to have nine shots on goal a game. I don't think anyone's allowing him but to. But my point being... Phil is, Davis went down. The three teams that he played against, it's not like Jack kicking 10 against Gold Coast. He did that against the Giants, who will finish in the top eight, Collingwood, who will finish in the top eight, if not top four, and Melbourne, who will finish in the top eight. So he's doing that against the best sides, and I am warning the sides, because they didn't know this already, right? But I'm warning the sides right now that play Sydney in finals. If you allow Buddy to have nine shots on goal, you will not win that game. Fair enough. I do agree with that, but I mean, I'm not here to contest your stat, but against Collingwood, he played on Brandon Sear for the second half because everyone's gone down at Collingwood. Uh, and against GWS, he'd had little effect on the game. Suddenly, Phil Davis gets a hip issue, and out of nowhere, ooh, he starts kicking goals. He kicked one goal up until that point, and Phil Davis's hip issue was, was a quarter time. It's not like it was, you know, three calls away through the third quarter, and then he kicks five goals in the last five minutes. No, but it wasn't even just the goals. It was his impact on the game grew as... Phil Davis came out of the game. Phil Davis normally does a really good job on him. You can only beat what's in front of you when Buddy beats everyone. That's the point. 
Okay. Um, if if you let him have that many shots on goal, Sydney will win their finals. Fair. That's all I'm going to say. Because, yeah, you're right. He may have been playing on Sia and an underdone Phil Davis and whoever was replacing him. But does that change that in finals? No. Because, I mean, Collingwood might have um, the likes of Reed, Howe, Goldsack back um, to potentially deal... I don't think Darcy Moore's going to make it um, to potentially deal with Buddy. But if it is Sia playing on Buddy in finals and he gets nine shots on goal, Collingwood's not winning that game. No, they're not. And that's the point I want to make is that more effort needs to be done in, in, in trying to deal with Buddy, which sounds obvious, I know, but it's the deal breaker. Because I think if you take him out of all three of those games, the other three sides win those games. All of them were close enough games that he was the difference in. But yes, anyway, that's my stab for this weekend. Keep an eye out on Buddy this weekend. As he plays Hawthorne, there'll be a really good one to find out where, how he does there. But does he feature in our All-Australian sides? We're now going to go through the best 22 players in the league this season for their positions. With, we're thinking about this side tactically, planning it through. How would this side play on game day based on the form they produced this season? Are you ready to give me your back six lock on us? Yes, I am. So at fullback, I've got Grimes, Blitzarves, and Lloyd. And then halfback, uh, we have Sicily, McGovern, and Whitfield. Mine is pretty similar to yours. I have Grimes, Rance, and Stratton, and then Sicily, McGovern, and Hearn. It's a very interesting uh, backline you got there, Alex. Would you like to discuss it now? We'll go through the full team. Uh, no, we'll go part by part so people can keep up. Yep. So that's a very, not only tall backline you've got, but it's a very slow backline. You've got no pace in that backline whatsoever. I have Rory Laird off the bench, who provides a lot of pace in the back line. Elliot Yo, who can be playing later on, who can also play in the back line. But the biggest thing in footy right now is not running the ball, it's kicking penetration. They have the two most important players when it comes to that, and that's Shannon Hearn and James Sicily, both who can hit targets 50 metres away. That's important. Yeah, I feel like Whitfield can do what Hearn does, but he can also run the ball. He's a lot quicker on his feet, and I think he's a better decision maker than Hearn. Whitfield isn't anywhere near as defensively accountable. Yeah, but your whole back six are defensively accountable, whereas you can get away in the modern age with having one or two people who aren't accountable because defense is team defense, not one-on-one defense anymore. And you've got players like Blitzhoves and Rance for, well, both of us, who just come over and kill every contest and it doesn't really matter. I think it's all well and good when you're playing Gold Coast that you can have a few players that aren't defensively accountable. But when we're playing with the caliber of sides that we've selected here... If you let some of the players that we have go, there will be serious consequences. I so I think defensive accountability is very important, and I think that's the main reason why I don't have Lockie Whitfield in this side. I think Lockie Whitfield's form has been correlated with GWS playing very well. So is Josh Kelly, yes. and I'm, I'm not going to single-handedly put it on him, but GWS have been, pl- been playing very well with a half-back who isn't particularly defensively accountable. So it can be done, and if I... If you have it at half-back, whose hands do you want it in more, Hearn's or Whitfield's? I'm, I'm really confident in saying Hearn. Hearn. Hearn is a general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whitfield might more likely, you might get a goal from that kick, but Hearn's not going to turn it over. I've got Sicily to do the bulk of the attacking work. Yo, Laird, they can provide that run. Even um, Alex Rance does a lot of rebound and work himself. I've got the people that are capable of that. What I need is composure. Okay. I've, and leadership, and he provides that. I'm also interested why your back line will have Grimes, 
Vance, McGovern, and Stratton. The modern day Ford line has two tolls, and you've got four people that can play on tolls. Sure, Grimes can go to the smallest defender, and Stratton can kind of. I don't think Stratton's anywhere near as good as, say, Lloyd, who I've got on a small defender, and I don't think he offers as much going out of your back line as Lloyd does. Uh, Lloyd is obviously a lot more offensively capable than Stratton. Uh, I'm not going to argue that one. Both picked Grimes. Ransom and McGovern are the obvious two tall, so we both agree that Grimes can play in a small. Yep. So really, the only difference is Lloyd v. Stratton. Um, I've got Blitzarves as instead of Rants. What's the difference, really, there? No. Uh, I th- I, if anything, I think Blitzarves is taller than him. I think Blitzarves just Rance does... Rance is a- probably better at playing on smalls than Blitzarves is. Yeah, but I got heaps of small forwards. I picked Blitzarves because I want a shutdown one, and then I want McGovern coming across. So I think Blitzarves has done a better job this year at shutting down opponents, whereas Rance is obviously your general, but if you've already got McGovern in your back line, then you don't really need Rance. It's two of the same sort of player. I understand your point, but I disagree. I think Rance can absolutely play that role, and I think he's one of the best... I think he's the best 1v1 defender in the league, so that's why I pick him. And it's Stratton? And then Stratton is... I think you've gone a bit too offensive on your backline. Um, you're thinking too much about scoring goals at the other end and forgetting the first rule of backline, which is defend. And Ben Stratton is one of the best defensive players in the competition. Um, his ability... Just go back and watch the Essendon game. If you, if, you, if you haven't seen it, he's remarkable. His ability, he will take marks over the top of tall defenders, uh, tall forwards, sorry. He will take marks over the top of small forwards. He played over the course of that game on Stringer, Tip and Woody, Smith, and one of the talls, I can't remember. I think it was Hooker as well when Hooker went forward. And he did a job on all of them and still managed to get 20 disposals himself, six or seven marks. He, he is the perfect defender because he can do anything. We'll move on from the backline. I just do think, though, that your backline is very defensively accountable, whereas mine is a bit more balanced between all. That's what I think the difference is. I would argue the opposite, but the same. Yours is too offensively focused and not enough defensively accountable, but fair. Fair enough. Wingers, we'll start off with, and then we'll go to the middle four. Um, I'm playing Yo and Kelly on the wings. Yeah, Gaff and Kelly. Yeah, Kelly was a nice, easy choice. Um, And then my midfield four will be... Gorn, Mitchell, McRae, Coniglio with Grundy and Cripps rotating through. Yep. And my middle four is Gorn, Mitchell, Fife, Higgins. And so I don't have McRae or Coniglio in my entire side. I have Higgins on the half of the flank, so we'll get to that a bit later. But I cannot believe that Coniglio is the easiest pick for me in the league because he is the best defensive midfielder in the game. Because I've noticed you didn't pick a tagger, right? And I thought about picking a tagger. I thought about Ben Jacobs. He hasn't played enough games. There are a few other options. Um, Jack Steele's had a really good season as a stopper. Um, There are a few others. But when it came down to it, the choice on Stephen Coniglia was so easy because he'll get 30 disposals. Yeah, he's not going to get 38 like Tom Mitchell. He'll get 30 disposals, but he'll also keep the opposition's best midfielder down 20%. So, yeah, you're not going to like completely shut down Tom Mitchell down to 15, but he is the best defensively accountable midfielder in the game. I'm not going to argue with that, but I don't think there's many people in the league that can stop Fife or Mitchell as our two teams. Uh, I, I don't think there's many people, unless you do a hard tag, that, particularly Fife. Fife's just blatantly unstoppable this season. So if I, you reckon if I sent Coniglio head, head-to-head versus Mitchell that... I would come out at least okay in that circumstance because I reckon I would. I think Mitchell's too good at this stage. 
I think Mitchell and Fife are too good. They're, they're just, just about impossible to stop. They just find the ball. Um, they do it in different ways. Fife's a brute, whereas Mitchell is more, I'm going to use the word sly, and just finds the ball somehow. He just understands the game very well. Um, but I think it's very hard to stop either of them without giving up like a hard tag, which means that Cornelio wouldn't have as much of a game either. Cornelio's uh, never been much of a hard tagger, and I don't like playing him that way. Um I would just argue the same thing again, that your team is all glitz and glamour, but there's no defensive mindset. I have Yo on the bench. He's my, if I need to stop someone, I'll send him to someone. He's played like that in the past and he'll... There's a difference between sending a stopper and actually playing players who are defensively accountable. Is at least if you'd gone um, somebody like Crimps or Oliver, right... Both of these guys are famed for the fact that when they're contested ball beasts, yeah, they get a lot of contested possessions and clearances, but it's also because they get a lot of tackles. They get a lot of impact in and around the ball, right? The, the players that you picked, Tom Mitchell is a very one-dimensional player. Fantastic at what he does, and I love him. He's in my side as well. But he's a very one-dimensional player. Nathan Fife is an, an aerial beast and great going forward, but he doesn't have a strong defensive game. I don't even remember. Higgins was the other one? Yep. Who's, who's an outside master. But again, none of those three are defensively culpable. Yeah. Like, and, and the other one that I considered, Oliver, I went with Cripps off the bench because I wanted somebody in there who makes sure that Mitchell's got somebody body to body to go with him and who's going to hit him. Your team is all outside, and, and, and that's great for when you have the ball. But when I have the ball, you're not going to touch me. I argue that Yo can do a similar job. Not as good, but a similar job to what Cornelia can do, but he offers up the fact that he can play anywhere on the ground, whereas Cornelia doesn't quite give me the same thing. That's why I didn't go with Cornelia. I went with um, Yo instead because he's so much more versatile, and he might be a little worse at the defensively capable part, but he's pretty good at that as well. And he, I would argue out of my midfield four, the primary midfield four, I have two that are defensively culpable at, at the minimum and then can throw Yo in. Capable or culpable? Culpable, as in they are answerable. Okay. I have I have two that I expect to do a decent defensive job. This is aside from the minimum expectations of every player, right? Um, I have two out of my four. You And then I have a third that I can throw in there and Yo if necessary. You have one. And that's it. And I don't think that's enough. And you ask any coach in a modern midfield, if you only allow... If you only have one player who's not even in your starting midfield who's going to do any kind of defensive work, they don't have to tag, but needs to be working back the other way, you're going to lose games. Just look at what the Geelong midfield does week in, week, in, week out. Ablett, Dangerfield, Selwood. Even then, Selwood is like a reasonably defensively-minded player. They don't win that, like, that much of the ball because when the opposition gets the ball, they get knocked off it so quickly. Yes, but that's... Also because they have a horrible ruckman and they can't get the ball out of the ruck. I've got Max Gorn, as do you, obviously. But Max Gorn will be putting it down their throats more often than not. And the idea is, you look at Melbourne's midfield, right? I don't think they have many defence... You say Oliver is, I don't think he's particularly defensively Clayton culpable. Oliver lays seven tackles a game. Yeah, but that's just because he's near the ball. That's, but that, that's what I'm asking for them, is the kind of players that you're picking is that if Mitchell's the only one... So, like, let's look let's look at your setup, right? The likelihood is going to be Mitchell is going to be the one in and under, down below. Higgins is going to be on the outside. Where's the pressure coming from on my players? Because I would have Coniglio on Higgins, right? So, Coniglio can still be offensive on his regard, but there's pressure on him. My Mitchell is going head-to-head with yours, 
right? Yep. So there is, and then and then I've got the likes of Oliver or Cripps. Oh, sorry, not Oliver. I have the likes of Cripps to throw in and be that tackling body, the one who bulldozes through Tom Mitchell and can then make Fife an impact. does that just the same. Fife can do that. Um, he's a big man, but he's never been much of a defensive bulldozer. He's a, he's a really good offensive bulldozer, but he's not a defensive one. If you can look at his stats, Cripps and Olivart average seven tackles a game. Um, Caniglio, we agree, is one of the best defensive players in the competition, and Yo has been known to play excellent defensive games. These are the kind of players that you need in a midfield, and you're lacking them, and I think that's a the significant weakness. Four Talk. tackles a game for five. Four. Yeah, which is good. Like, don't get me wrong, it's not bad. I think Mitchell's about three, but when you're you're comparing to the numbers of Cripps and Oliver, they're accountable, and that's what counts. My forward line from the half forward flank is Dugowie, Franklin, and Higgins, and then Devin Smith, Jack Rewalt, and Luke Bruce. We both have the same big forwards, which is interesting because there was a few you could choose from, but I think these two have been the most consistent across the year. And the big thing about Rewalt and Franklin is you know what you're getting generally. Yep. Whereas with uh, Ben Brown at the moment, you don't know what you're going to get because he's either hot or not. With Jack Darling, you don't really know as much. Obviously, he's had a big injury, so he gets a bit of leeway, but you don't know as much what you're going to get. And Tom Hawkins, <laughs> you don't have a clue. Seven or zero, probably. Yep. Um, so mine is Shane Edwards. Um, just I think he's the best handballer in the league. Shane Edwards. Matt Crouch, but sure. I, Matt Crouch gets the most, but I don't think he's the best um, handballer in the league. I think Shane Edwards has lightning hands, okay. and it's the exact thing that I want. He can rotate through midfield, and he's a bit more defensively culpable. Not as much, but he's a bit more. Um, then Franklin, and then I got uh, Dusty Martin on the half-forward flank. Um, he hasn't been as good a midfielder this year, but it's Martin. And then I got Bruce, Rewalt, and Dugowie. So we both go on with Dugowie, um, Rewalt, and Franklin. So we can pretty much rule them out. Um, I'm playing Higgins on the half-forward flank, um, Smith, and... Oh, hang on. We both have Bruce as well. So I'm playing Higgins and Smith um, with Martin off the bench, and you are playing Martin and Edwards. Yep. With who's your... Do you have a third off the bench? Uh, my one off the bench will be Lambert. Lambert. Okay. Really, I don't disagree with you too much on these ones. Um, I think they're very comparable. Yeah. The only real point of difference, uh, we both go on Martin. I would generally play him a bit deeper. You have him on the half-forward flank, but sure. Higgins, I think, is more useful further up the field because of his silk entering 50. I yep. think his efficiency is perfect for that role. And then I've gone with Devin Smith because there's no way in modern football you can't have a representative of the most efficient tackler in the game. In, in this modern Richmond world of where forward 50 pressure is so important, um, I just needed that kind of player. Um, but, you know, you've gone with Edwards and Lambert, and I very much respect those two. Um, if you're looking for transition players, they're very good at what they do. Yeah. I like Devin Smith, don't get me wrong. I thought about putting him in my team. He's literally in my unlucky category. Um, Lambert and Edwards are both in mine. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he's a great tackler, and I got no problems with that, but he does that through the midfield. And I think it's a bit unrealistic that you can put him in your forward pocket. I don't like, don't get me wrong. If you wanted to put maybe your best team together, that might be the case. But I feel like in the all Australian team, you have to put the player in the position he's played. Don't get me wrong, Lance Franklin, if you put him on that half back flank, he would probably be the best half back flank we've ever seen. But he spent the whole year playing. At half forward. Both of us put Kelly on the wing then. I don't think you could put Martin on the half forward flank, maybe in the forward pocket. 
or at full forward. I, th- um, no, I don't half, think you could put Martin, Higgins on the half forward flank. I think you could put Martin on the half forward flank. He spent a lot of time this year playing forward. Yeah, playing and forward, but not on the half forward flank in a forward pocket or a full forward. He plays deep. Uh, he plays a mixture of all three because a lot of the time at a contest, he will be one kick ahead. He plays deep, he plays one kick ahead, or he plays at the contest. So I picked the one that suited me most. Okay, fair enough. Let us know what you guys think. We both presented strong arguments for our sides. Do we have an interchange or not? Well, I mean, I've already gone through my interchange, but um, we can briefly recap them. Mine is uh, Laird, Grundy, Cripps, and Martin. Grundy as well. So that's the big thing. Both of us went to Ruckman, which yep. I don't think has ever been done before, but I think this is the perfect year to do it. Absolutely necessary, in my opinion. You can't not pick both of these two. Yeah, so Grundy, Yo, Lambert, Laird. Easy. Easy. Let us know what you think. I'm, I'm curious to know what people think. Which side do they think is stronger? Which person do they think argued better for their side? I reckon I, reckon I did the better job arguing. And most I... importantly, which person has the more dashing looks? <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to cover it. But now we're going to move into his world-famous segment, fresh from being beaten in the All-Australian side. He's now got uh, to lift his... Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> He's now got to lift his game in punching down. This is Lachlan Ross's Punching Down. This is Punching Down. West Coast. Nothing makes me happier than Melbourne missing out on finals in heartbreaking fashion. The possibility of ninth place becoming a Melbourne thing honestly warmed my heart. But you guys had other ideas. With six minutes to go in the game, you had Melbourne exactly where you wanted them. You were down by one point. History tells us comprehensively that they'll lose from here. And you blew it. Not only did you lose, but you lost comfortably from there, giving Melbourne the real confidence boost that we could ill afford to give them. <laughs> Shame on you guys. Dane Zorko. Earlier in the year, you were an asshole to Took Miller. This round again, you're an asshole. Nice captain you got yourself there, Brisbane. If this match had any relevance whatsoever, I'd write a whole punching down segment, but I have better things to do. Like not talking about the Q Clash. AFL, I know you often try to hype up your games to make them more watchable, but sometimes you can jump the gun. Badly. When Frio were two goals to one up, you claimed that Frio means business. Three quarters later and 23 goals to one later, you looked like a shocked first-year uni student who recently found out business meant doing actuarial studies and basically watched your life being sucked out from you. This whole situation sounds eerily like Peter Duddens. Everyone thought he meant business, but really he has no pulse on the community and ends up being ridiculed. That was punching down. You could argue that Peter Dutton himself could have been his own punch, but... Um, it's a little non-AFL related. Yeah. We should make another show just where we punch down on Peter Dutton. That'd be fun. <laughs> and now, for your daily dose of scoops, we turn to our award-winning journalist. And by award-winning, we mean he talked to Shane Warne this week. Welcome, Bridge. And what scoops have you got for us this week? Thank you, gentlemen. Now, in an absolute AFL by Dummies news exclusive, TV personality Waleed Ali was consulted by the AFL on his opinion of the state of the game. The AFL also asked John Cena... Bet you didn't see that one coming. ...and Adolf Hitler, who was very excited about the prospect of the footy coverage in 2019 going to Channel 9... (laughs) 
finally, the wait is over as Jared Waite retires from the <laughs> AFL. We've received mixed reports on his future, with some saying he's moving to the world of strength and conditioning, and others pointing towards a career in hospitality. The wait is yet to end as to whether Waite will end up as a waiter or a weight lifter. We wait for Waite's decision. Back to you, boys. Thanks for those scoops, Bridge. Uh, what flavour were those this week, Alex? What flavour would you say? I'm I'm feeling a bit of, a bit of salted caramel. <laughs> a bit of salted caramel, yeah. yeah. What are you thinking? Oh, well, definitely salted caramel. Is that what we said last week? I've no idea. <laughs> I thought that was the idea of that whole thing. I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Thanks. Uh, great contribution there from our award-winning reporter there, Lachlan Richmond. Thank you. Time to do tips. Port Adelaide Essendon on Friday night in a game that now has basically no relevance. Should... Geelong somehow managed to lose to Gold Coast at home at the weekend. This game becomes very important, but um, I don't think that'll happen. So I don't really care. I'm going to say Essendon, actually. Port are really fragile at the moment. Yeah, Essendon as well. Port have just been terrible for six rounds now. Now to the game that had a bit of relevance, like Geelong Gold Coast. Yay. Geelong. I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Richmond Western Bulldogs, another game with absolutely no relevance. Yay. Yep, that's Richmond. Fremantle Collingwood. I guess it has relevance, but given the way Fremantle played last week, I mean, it's at Optus, and they can't go any worse than they did last week. I know you got a chance to hit them, but I really want an opportunity to say 23 unanswered goals. That's incredible. Like, oh my. That is serious commitment to that- a rebuild right there. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is next level effort when it comes to losing. I'm going to go Collingwood. Yeah, Collingwood as well for me. Uh, to another game with no relevance, Carlton Adelaide. To a game with so much relevance. Robin, so interested in this one. Sydney Hawthorne. Oh my God. Basically, winner finishes top four. Yeah, it's as simple as that. If you want to play Richmond at the G next week or two weeks later, win this. If you want to play home to Melbourne, lose this. Yeah, I... Don't know who I'm tipping. Who do you think? <laughs> I'm going with Hawthorne. Um, Buddy's in doubt for this week. It's also at the SCG. Uh, Hawthorne's also flying at the moment. Buddy's also not playing. I think that's pretty important. Did you mention that? I Well, Buddy's also not playing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time I ride off Sydney at my peril, Sydney. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, to a game with slight relevance... Brisbane West Coast. You know there are other ways of transitioning into games, right? You don't have to just simply talk about their relevance. <laughs> I know. I'm doing it for like, you know, because that's what's funny, right? Yeah. 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 Cool. That's definitely the reason you're doing cool. it. Uh, so Brisbane's <laughs> playing West Coast. If West Coast lose this game, they will be knocked out of the top two and potentially have to travel away to the MCG for their first qualifying final. Um, and they're on the back of a Brisbane side, which has been a bit up and down the last two months, but been considerably better than they were first half of the season. You ready for a bit of a surprise for you on this one? I'm tipping Brisbane. I rate this Brisbane side. You had a go at me for my segue there, and then you did a segue, which basically felt like forever. Well, I felt like somebody needed to actually say something important because you'd been doing all the talking But this game only has slight relevance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, West Coast. (laughs) West Coast. (laughs) Melbourne GWS for a home elimination final. That's all I'm going to say. Which one? GWS. I'm just, I'm so on board the Melbourne bandwagon now. Oh my God, you're going to tip them to win every game for the rest of the year. Yeah. Richmond at the MCG. Ah, Melbourne. (laughs) Melbourne. Um, And then the Saints will play their final game for the season at home to North in a game in which really the only relevant 
it has is whether or not Ben Brown can sneak a Coleman. Who do you think will be winning this one? And more importantly, how many goals will Ben Brown kick? Well, Saints basically don't have a defence. So <laughs> Ben Brown could kick seven here. He could. So let's let's go. Let's go. The final tip, right? Who wins the Coleman? So Jack is on... 60. Ben Brown is on 58. Buddy's on 57. And Hawkins is on 56. Who wins the Coleman? Call it now. Uh, Rewalt. You're going to say Rewalt? Who are Richmond playing again? Western Bulldogs. Yeah, Rewalt. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy's not playing this weekend, more than likely. I think they'll rest him. Tom Hawkins could kick 15 against Gold Coast, though. <laughs> The way that Gold Coast defended Rewald a few weeks ago, he genuinely could. Actually, so if he kicks 10 and Jack kicks like four... He wins. He wins. Whoa. I'm still going Rewald. I'm tempted. And Ben Brown could kick so many against St Kilda. Okay, for the sake of interest, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Tom Hawkins will kick 12 against North, North, <laughs> uh, Gold Coast. <laughs> just, just, you know, we haven't had that in a while. You've now made that game very interesting for me to watch. I'm watching that game now. You sold that game to me better than the AFL sold the Frio Shalom <laughs> game on the weekend. And you can join us next week to discover how we do with all of our predictions. Also, check out our Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, all the places. This week, who do you want me to tweet at? Who am I going to have a go to? I'd like to have a go at Dane Zorko, personally. But I don't really say much other than that the Q clash is irrelevant. He's irrelevant. His hand is irrelevant. <laughs> I feel like we've had enough shots at him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's all from us. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. From myself, Chuck. My name's Alexander. Have a nice afternoon, everyone. Have a nice day. Have a nice life. <laughs> <laughs> Just get better, would you? <laughs> get off your couch, Susan. We know, you're Susan. Sitting, we know you're sitting there doing fuck all. Lazy Susan. It's a good joke. Cool.